Welcome to Grace Point Church Podcast. We proclaim Christ crucified and uphold him as the only hope for the fallen world. On today's episode, you'll hear from Reverend Harrison Mungai. Reverend Harrison is the lead pastor at Grace Point Church. Good morning, and Harrison here uh, for Christian Living on Fridays. Now, someone came back to me last week after the uh, talk we had and asked me a very interesting question, whether the passage that we were looking at, Acts chapter 17, uh, from verse 16 and following, whether it's a theological um, question that it raises or it's a cultural question that is actually being addressed here. And I thought that's quite interesting because cultural questions almost always have a theological dimension and theological questions almost always have a cultural dimension. Just like we said at the beginning of this series that theology, culture, and politics really have a way in which they are intertwined. Our theology informs our understanding of culture and our understanding of politics. And also our culture is significantly shaped and also somehow speaks to our theology and even to our politics. I think the big question then is where is our starting point? Where do we start from? And often um, the struggle is um, in knowing when are they separate, the question of theology and culture, and when are they intertwined, and how do we rightly separate this question? And I would then love to submit to her that actually this is not either or. It isn't um, a theological question or a cultural question. It's actually both and. Because in the in the passage that we looked at last week, Acts 17, we clearly see a theological question. It's a question of the worship of idols, which then, of course, means that the Athenians were worshipping idols. But there is also a question of culture what the Athenians were doing and why they were worshipping the idols. Everywhere they seemed to have idols, they even had one to their known God. And, you know, they loved spending their time, you know, in, in nothing except telling and hearing of something new. They have this place where they meet, particularly those who are learned, and they are engaging with questions. You know, this place they are calling the Areopagus. There seems to be quite quite some strong cultural undertones to it and i also submit actually the way in which paul addresses the question of idolatry in athens comes um, not just from a purely theological point of view but actually from a very culturally sensitive point of view so for example if you remember last week um, i alluded to the fact that he says that indeed we are his offspring um, you know, Paul himself uh, says that, and he actually quotes one of their poets in verse 28. And, you know, he also uh, seems um, to say quite quite clearly that uh, God is our father. And, you know, he is talking about everybody in that sense. Now, from a purely theological point of view, uh, that would not actually be, uh, would, would not be accurate really to, to say that in a, in a very you know, relational, strong, connected way, uh, actually God is the father of everybody. 
Um, but there is a sense in which that is actually true. And I remember talking about that last week. What Paul is doing here, uh, he is being very winsome. He's being very culturally sensitive to the Athenians in wanting to win them <clears throat> to the gospel. And I thought about that a little bit because um, we are facing a lot of cultural questions um, in our times. Uh, quite, quite, a, quite, quite a big movement within our country and perhaps even further afield. People going back to ATR, African Traditional Religious and Religion and Customs. Uh, there is a whole movement of people wanting to, uh, uh, to see Christianity perhaps as a Western import. And, and others, you know, saying, oh, no, no, I really have to honor my culture. I really have to um, to honor the wazes uh, of, of, of my tradition and I have to do this and that. And a lot of pressure is on Christians to conform to their own traditional cultural systems. And perhaps I, I see there is an awakening of some cultural pride among us where we are all feeling that uh, uh, we, we need to to do this in order to be a proper man, then we have to do this and the other. And that seems to be coming up a lot of cultural demands. And I also think the proliferation of media, um, be it FM stations or television stations, liberalized airwaves, has meant that a lot more information, a lot of um, cultural evangelism, if I might call it. So seems to be happening and so a lot of people are sort of awakening oh we have not done this and there might be these um, implications or this might happen to us if we have not paid dowry the right way or we have not named the child in the right way and a lot of a lot of um, confusion seems to be coming upon christians unsure whether they are going to separate the issues of culture so that they say that um to, you know i am I'm a man and so i need to do uh, a, B, C, D, but I'm also a Christian, and so on Sunday I also need to uh, do the following things. How might we engage? And I feel this is a very important question, uh, these, these issues. How do we engage? I think Paul gives us um, a helpful um, structure or even a helpful way of, of dealing with cultural questions. And let's actually spend just a little bit more time on that passage itself. We already read it last week, but um, I might just uh, read a few sections of it just for uh, our connection this morning. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. He saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus on the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, studying the minister of the Diopagas, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, 
to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he goes on all the way to the end of the chapter, and I'd love for you to read it in your own time. <clears throat> Here, Paul has come into a different culture. He's in Athens. He's come to Europe, which is in, uh, which is in Greece. It's a different culture. Um, he himself would have been a Jewish man. So he's a Jewish man. He's come all the way from um, Israel, and he is preaching the gospel in Europe. And here he finds a different culture. And what are they doing? Well, their worship seems to be worship of full of idols. And immediately uh, he begins to reason with the people. There's a Jewish synagogue there and also people in the marketplace. He's talking to them. And this, of course, attracts the interest of the scholars of his day of, of the town. And they put him up to this place, uh, calling the Areopagus. Uh, and they begin questioning him because they want to know what's going on. Paul then uh, addresses um, this um, gathering of scholars and uh, he um, points them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Towards the end of the, uh, of the chapter, we see that actually a few people believe, uh, some others are very skeptical. They say in verse 32, uh, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysus, Dionys Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So there seems to have been some results, but let's just make some three uh, observations or three um, ways in which uh, this passage can help us with our cultural engagement. The first thing you'll notice is that Paul makes a careful observation that the city is full of idols. In fact, we are told that his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. And I think that that's an important observation to make, not just of the Athenian culture, but actually of all human cultures are fallen. Paul's own culture, uh, his own Jewish upbringing, and his own um, <clears throat> religious and cultural system was fallen and was not um, sufficient for his salvation. In other words, there was no hope in it. He himself had been a Pharisee, as he tells us elsewhere, and very zealous about the law until God's grace appeared to him. And he's come to Europe and what he sees in this particular city is that the city is full of idols. And I want to say, you know, um, if I can just uh, say an implication of this, every culture that you look at is full of idols often. It's my own culture, um, be it um, the Jewish culture, even um, the Old Testament uh, addresses the theme of idolatry more than anything else. It's because, you know, people were full of idols. That's what they were doing. They were making them left, right and center. The prophets are preaching to them, stay away, turn away from idols. Because that seemed to have been the dominant uh, thing among the Jews and, and, and among the 
um, God's people in the Old Testament, they they were still running away from him and going into idolatry. My own culture invents all sorts of idols all the time, things that they devote to worship. Our own city here in Nairobi is full of idols. They idols to money, temples to uh, Mormon, uh, the love of money, um, beauty, uh, fascination with the biggest and the best and the latest, perhaps even social media. Idols everywhere just seems to be the human experience. And something, someone said something very helpful uh, the other day to me that said that actually all cultures are fallen and yet there is something beautiful about all these cultures. There is something that uh, the Lord had has put uh, in, this, um, in these cultures that uh, acts as a witness and points us somehow back to God. And this is where Paul is going to begin from when it comes to his address later on. Because there is something right there that would point us or would um, be a starting point of some engagement. So the first thing that you and I need to observe is that our cultures are fallen, yours and mine. My people are lost, just as yours. You know, the European people are lost. So some, some people criticize Christianity and they say um, it's a Western religion. And I'd like to say that, and I, might, I might even have said it before, that actually the Western culture is hard Christian. In fact, there is much more of what you might call Christian culture, if there is such a thing as a Christian culture here in this continent of Africa, than maybe there is in Europe and in America, where we think that maybe Christianity is an import from. To those who say that, you know, Christianity is a white man's religion, they need to know actually the gospel came to Africa way, way, way before it ever touched Europe. And not only that, that um, um, it's actually closer, culturally even, uh, Christianity and the biblical faith is much closer actually to the Middle Eastern um, uh, Christian faith really an expression in the early days than the European faith and tradition. And in fact, um, traditionally, Europe has been very much uh, lost in idolatry. Even in the Bible, it says to us, the city was full of idols. And I think, you know, when we hear of Greek mythology and the worship and of, um, of the stars and, and the constellations, you know, this is European mythology. Because the cities in Europe were full of idols. Uh, in Britain itself, uh, some of the um, oldest expressions of, um, of, of religion was uh, places like Stonehenge, which really is a stone circle that um, many observants say this was perhaps a place for ritual worship um, of the sun. The Druids, who are known to be nature worshippers. So those who criticize and say that uh, Christianity is an import from the West and indeed it's a white man's religion. I'd love to say that actually a lot of Europeans have moved away from Christianity and many of them never even believed the gospel. The gospel has always been a minority in most cases or, in most, or for most of history and for most of people. Always been a minority. So here we see Observe your own culture. It's as fallen as the European culture and as the American culture and the Asian culture. All cultures fallen and in need of a redeemer.
But the second thing um, that Paul does here is to proclaim. So we are told in verse 17, he reasons in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day. So the response there, you know, is, you know, when you see fallen human culture, foreign um, ways of, ex of expressing faith and religion, the right response is to proclaim and to preach Jesus. So, you know, we are told he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. Now, they say this because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. When you see us preaching Jesus and the resurrection, that's because that's what we are supposed to be doing, to preach Jesus and the resurrection, which is wonderful because Paul is not preaching a foreign culture. He's not saying, no, no, no you need to convert to Judaism. Or you need to embrace my own culture you know as a pharisee no no he's preaching jesus and his resurrection from the dead and i wonder whether this is perhaps where uh, christians might falter where we we preach forms or expressions rather than christ himself now paul preaches christ that is the lord jesus christ and his resurrection from the dead and I wonder if this is what people are hearing when we are engaging with them one-on-one -on, -one on cultural issues. So oftentimes they might hear, they might hear, oh, we, we are actually talking about forms. We're talking about um, maybe um, dressing in a particular way, or we are talking about um, worship on a particular day, or certain forms of food, um, clothing, or, you know, manner of dressing and all that. Now, I'm not saying those things are not important. They do matter. But is that what people hear? Is that what really is at the core of our messaging? Now, at the core of Paul's message, these people are saying, is Jesus and the resurrection. That seems to be the main point. That's what needs to be heard. Jesus being proclaimed and the resurrection. Now, this immediately provokes um the people to say i would love to hear what you're talking about because jesus almost always offends people the gospel almost always offends people particularly when uh, we come to things from a cultural perspective the gospel will almost always offend us because christ is um you know in a way uh, against our culture it's a sense in which um um, because our cultures are fallen, because all cultures are fallen, the gospel will almost always be um, at cross purposes with our culture. And so that tends to offend. So we want to hear more. I thank God because of this open door that these men are saying, we, we want to hear you, you know, come and let us see what these things that you're talking about, that you're bringing to our ears. At which, Paul then, at, at which point then Paul uh, addresses the area because this council of, of scholars um, that would have been meeting somewhere. And he gives them this very winsome uh, address, and which then uh, shows us uh, the, the third and the last point is a winsome instruction. Winsome instruction. So uh, why, why do I say this winsome instruction? Because how Paul begins is that, you know, he stands in the midst of the Areopagus and he addresses them very respectfully, men of Athens, and he says, I perceive, you know, that in every way you are very religious. 
You know, as I passed along, I observed the objects of your worship. You know, and you know, and then to the, to the ungod, wherefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim. He is being very winsome towards them. He's extending a lot of um, a, a lot of accommodation actually towards them. He begins, you know, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made by human uh, beings, by mankind. No, he's served by human hands. He's now bringing the truth. He's now uh, preaching the gospel to them. You know, he's instructing them and actually teaching them uh, quite carefully. And, you know, this is in Athens, places where there would have been huge temples dedicated to various gods. Now he's saying actually the God who made the heavens and the earth does not dwell in temples made by human hands. And he goes on you know, to proclaim all the way to a point where he tells them that you know, in those days of ignorance, you know, he has overlooked. But he's very careful to say, but now he commands all people everywhere, including here in Athens, to repent. Why? Because he will judge the world. Um, by uh, the man he has appointed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, he has assured that by raising him from the dead. So he's carrying on proclaiming uh, the resurrection in a very winsome way. I wonder how winsome sometimes our conversations are. We might be quick to condemn. We might be quick to say, oh, no, that's really, really bad. And that should be condemned. There is a place for that. But Paul's method here is winsome instruction, winsome teaching. You know, that doesn't ruin the opportunity for him to still be able uh, to, to have a platform to proclaim the gospel. I think oftentimes as Christians, we may have fallen, uh, we may have failed on the winsomeness test. Maybe we are too radical or we are too judgmental and others may have felt put off by the whole idea um, of, of, of the gospel because our approach was not winsome. What Paul does is that he observes the culture. He makes the observation is full of idols. The same observation is true of my culture and yours. It is indeed full of idols. He proclaims Jesus, purely Jesus and the resurrection which means that he doesn't try to impose his culture on the people. What he's preaching is not forms. He's preaching Jesus and the resurrection. This, of course, then invites and you know uh, interest. This opens a door. Uh, the offense perhaps uh, invites them to a bit more engagement, and which is then leads us to the third point that he gives a winsome instruction. The response, which is what we find in verse 32, is actually varied because when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And they said, we will hear you again about this. So he went out from their midst. But some joined. We are told among them is Dionysius and a woman named Damaris and even others who we are not, whose names we are not given. Which I think is a very realistic um, expectation right there. So they hear about the resurrection. Oh, some immediately mocked. So there is mocking there. Others are skeptical. We will hear you again on this matter. 
But Paul actually moves on. Paul moves on. He went out from the midst. But some believed. You see that? In a varied response right there. In the moment they hear the gospel being truly proclaimed, we must expect mocking. We might also see some skepticism. We will hear you again. But there is also some conversions. Some joined. And some are even named. And there are others who are also not named. But Paul is careful to move on. He mustn't you know, be held down. He's a bigger mission to continue pursuing. He's not held down. How are you engaging culturally on your issues? Um, are you, are you uh, just um, perhaps being very rough and, and, and uncaring? Are you appreciating that the culture is fallen? And that it needs a savior? Uh, are you um, preaching Christ and the resurrection? Do you still have an open door for witness? Would people say they would love to hear you again on that matter? Or would they perhaps kick you out of town? I think Paul has a model that would be, we would be well instructed to observe and perhaps learn from. I thank you so much for your engagement today. Let's talk again next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Grace Point Church Podcast. For more information and past episodes, visit our website, gracepointchurch.org. Please join us again for a new episode. Goodbye.